Hello, Facebook friends. Ah, I'm very, very late. Um, yeah, because there are issues. So I have three devices lying around here, a phone, a laptop, and a, um, an iPad, which I'm trying to record on. I'm hoping to, that I'm looking at the right place for that. And um, yeah, it just would not go from Zoom onto Facebook. And then my computer would not go onto Facebook at all. And so I'm just going to, I think everything's perfect. Welcome. Welcome to Think, Feel, Eat, episode number 28. And this is going to be a two-part episode, and it is called Over Hunger Versus Over Desire, part one of two. All right, because this week I'm going to introduce both concepts, and then I'm going to elaborate on over hunger, and then next week I'm going to elaborate on over desire, and then I'm gonna bring the two together. So first of all, I wanna talk about what they are and what some similarities are between the two and what some differences are between the two. So overhunger, first of all, um, the differences. Overhunger is when we have true stomach hunger, the growling, ghrelin, gremlins, as I like to call them. And I'm gonna talk more about ghrelin in just a few minutes when I get into overhunger uh, more deeply. But um, basically these growling, ghrelin, gremlins are telling us that our food is low, okay? And um, without going into the details, I'm gonna explain it in a little bit. They um, it's usually uh, speaks from the stomach to the brain um, and primarily from the top of the stomach to fundus and tells us that there's hunger. So this is like an emptying out of your stomach or your stomach has room. And um, you know, there's also, there are other hormones involved and there are also like stomach um, acids and chemicals and things like that involved as well. But uh, just the big picture kind of look of it is that the, the stomach is um, not, needs, needs food in it. It's emptied out too much for your body's liking. And we're gonna learn about how to control that too. But so um, this is, these are like for intermittent fasters, these would be like um, at the end of our fast, you know, when we're really starting to get hungry and um, you know, we just feel like we can't go any longer. So if you're used to fasting at 18 hours, a lot of times I will, I fast 18. So a lot of times I'll be hungry um, between 16 and 18 sometimes, sometimes between 17 and 18. And it really depends on what I ate the day before. Um, you know, if I'm in a, a deep deficit for weight loss or if I'm more in a maintenance um, uh, caloric intake and um, kind of what I'm doing too, right? Because we all know through intermittent fasting that the busier we are, the more we uh, forget about hunger. Um, it's also like when we open our windows with a small amount, I forgot my timer again. When we open our uh, window with a small amount of food and then we have true hunger come back in a little bit, okay? Now there are other things that come into play like you might hear people say, and I know I say this too, once I open my window, I just wanna eat. That is usually not hunger and we're gonna deal a lot more with over desire next week. Um, but like maybe we ate a small amount and so we got hungry pretty quickly again once we got our you know uh, stomach um, chemicals and acids going and we got our stomach activated so to speak that if we ate a small amount we can be hungry again pretty quickly after that uh, hunger is also 
for those who have not uh, regulated hunger during the fast yet. So if you haven't been fasting for three or four weeks, like continuously, I don't mean like fasting for four days and then taking the weekend off and eating 12 hours a day. You can only really develop this, um, this overcoming hunger during the fast uh, through consistent, you know, nonstop uh, intermittent fasting, like not going off and going on because your body has what's called clock hunger and it gets hungry at the same time as you ate the day before. So we can keep moving that up and changing it. And that's why I like an incremental approach to beginning intermittent fasting. We can keep moving that up and making that um, a little bit later and a little bit later. But if we just do four days where we eat at two in the afternoon, and then we do three days where we eat at eight in the morning, we don't really overcome that hunger and we don't really solve that clock hunger problem. Um, so when we haven't regulated hunger yet during the fast, we can be hungry during our fasting time, right? We could be hungry like at 10 at night if it's been a couple of hours since we ate. We could definitely be hungry at 7 or 8 in the morning if we have not trained our bodies yet to be used to intermittent fasting. And then um, also a, a, a common hunger time for me when I was first intermittent fasting was at night when I and open, close my window too early. So I have a sweet spot, so to speak, no pun intended, that's for next week, over desire. Uh, but I have a sweet spot, so to speak, that really uh, what it boils down to is that I need to eat my last meal um, or my dessert or my snack, depending on how I uh, set up that day. I need to eat that at like seven to 8.30. That's just, you know, if I eat it at six, 10 or 11, I might have a little trouble falling asleep. So when we have not uh, figured out our best fasting times, that's also a time of hunger. So true stomach hunger, because so much of what we think about with hunger is not really hunger, but it's desire, it's their cravings. They are, um, you know, just wanting certain foods. So over hunger is true stomach hunger. Now we've been told through the years that it's not really hunger, it's just you're thirsty. It's not really hungry, hunger, it's just that um, you, uh, you know, you are just overly tired or you um, just want to eat, right? But true stomach hunger is a real thing and it is, and even though we can learn to control it, when we haven't learned to control it, it isn't very uncomfortable, right? And that's why it's difficult at first to begin intermittent fasting because you have to white knuckle through the first two to four weeks of intermittent fasting until your body adapts to that and then you lose the hunger. I'm getting ahead of myself though. All right, so over desire is when we desire food often without hunger and usually certain types. So we are like not and I always love these analogies that I've heard so many weight loss coaches use, and that is, would you be hungry with an apple? Happy with an apple? Would you be happy with a plain chicken breast? Would you be happy with, you know, green beans or, um, you know, just some turkey breast or something like that, right? Something that is not, has the seductive cravings that I've, that I've talked about a lot in our craving episodes of Think, Feel, Eat, um, but also, uh, something that's like just kind of bland, you know, would, would you, could, would, can you say I'm hungry enough that I'm just going to eat a chicken breast? 
or I'm hungry enough that I'm just gonna eat an apple. Not necessarily that that chicken breast or that apple would solve your hunger for you totally, because you might need more calories than that to solve your hunger, but that you don't have to have a certain thing. It doesn't have to be too exciting of a food in order to um, have it work. So uh, usually a certain type of food. Overdesire actually has nothing to do with hunger, right? And we know that this is true because we can have a full Thanksgiving dinner and they're cutting the pies. We can be completely stuffed and we can still eat it, right? Nothing, absolutely nothing to do with hunger. Zero hunger, right? Um, we know it's also true at a restaurant when, you know, we've had an appetizer, a salad, some bread, and we're not hungry at all, but we love our ribs or our fried shrimp or our steak with, uh, you know, Bernays sauce or whatever. And so we go ahead and eat even though we are full. And that would be over desire, not over hunger at that point. And uh, over desire is created by something entirely different. So we're gonna learn today what creates hunger. And, um, and actually over desire, we've talk, I've talked about a lot um, because it is when we can't seem to say no to temptations. That is an over desire. And it's usually created by giving into cravings so frequently or by not controlling our seductive foods, like having them too often, having too many of them, having too much when we do have them. And unfortunately, overdesire is not as affected by hunger as fasting, by fasting as hunger is. We're gonna see, we could be, I hope I'm still on. Get somebody comment, see if I'm still on. I'm on my iPad, so um, I, got a phone call so I don't use my devices to record these things um, so uh, hunger is very affected by the fast like we can learn a lot of ways to control hunger with intermittent fasting but we but it doesn't control over desire as much it doesn't control cravings as much now it can because of what we're gonna learn with leptin and leptin makes you want to eat better and that's why you sometimes hear people saying with intermittent fasting you know, I started wanting healthier foods, right? And we start to want healthier foods for a number of reasons. I started wanting, wanting healthier foods when I started uh, plant-based supplementation, right? Because my body was getting some things that it had been lacking and it just changed my, my taste a lot. Now I still had cravings for some things, but that was, it was lessened. Then it became my cravings for uh, processed foods became even less again, less again, whenever I start intermittent fasting. But um, there are a lot of other ways in addition to intermittent fasting that we can solve the craving problems that we'll learn about next week. Okay, now similarities. There are some similarities between them. So today I'm gonna talk all about overhunger and what it's caused by and how to uh, counteract it. Next week I'm gonna do the same thing with over desire and then I'm combine the two and wrap them up because many of the things that we can do for one, we can do for the other. Some of the things, you know, really don't have a big effect on um, both of them at the same time, but some of them do. So we'll learn all those, all right? Okay, so similarities. The first one is that they both cause the same final outcome, right? Whether we are over hunger, hungry, like we, you know, we've stretched our stomach out a lot, so it's never really full. Um, we aren't using, you know, like some of our uh, tools to our advantage, uh, like I'm gonna describe here with leptin. And so we have this over hunger. 
and we just want to eat more and more and more and maybe it doesn't even have to be something exciting all right that overhunger causes overeating over desire desiring hyper palatable foods over desiring them like an un, like an, an atypical um, desire for them also causes overeating right and then overeating of course causes weight gain so both things whether it's over hunger or over desire they both lead to the same final result and that is weight gain or at the very least not losing um, if you're in maintenance and you want to lose more okay if you're in maintenance if you're in maintenance at the level you're at now this is where my husband and I've been for quite a while we have been in maintenance at our at the weight that we have lost he's lost 120 I've lost 100 we are at maintenance here and we have to do some new things to lose for each of us to lose our last 20 pounds because we're right now just at maintenance we have figured out over and that's no small feat let me tell you it was hard over the last eight months to maintain but we have figured out okay this is what it takes to stay at the weight that we are at his 120 pound loss my 100 pound loss this is what it takes Whew. took a long time we figured it out we're doing it now okay now we're ready to do the next thing to go down some more weight right but um controlling over hunger and over desire even at a maintenance level of your current weight is no easy feat right because as we get older we have a tendency to uh, for our weight to just keep creeping up a little bit at a time and the other similarity which is super super good news guys the other similarity is that they can both be controlled quite a bit through strategic strategic actions so that's really good news right because it's like wow you mean there are things that I can do that can help me with over hunger there are things that I can do that can help me with over desire because all weight gain comes from these two places so wouldn't it be great to have a lot of tools in our tool belt for the over hunger issue and the over desire issue yes it is really great to have those tools in our tool belt and of course a lot of this has come through my teaching in the last several months of the perfect storm of weight loss so if you go to donnareach.com forward slash perfect storm you'll find a lot of tools there all right so the rest of this episode is going to be spent on over hunger what causes over hunger what causes hunger to begin with what causes over hunger um, because hunger simply means that we are low on food right over hunger means that we think we need more than we really do to fill up our stomachs or to sat to to be um, sated to be satiated all right and this is really where the different one of the differences that comes into play this is really where one of them comes into play and that is um, that over hunger got to write this in my notes over hunger is satisfied with satiation or what some um, people call stated right when you're stated I call it when you're satiated I like all of my syllables okay so over hunger is is taken care of when you're satiated when you learn to be sated when you learn to be to eat the amount that you need to not get over hungry but also not um, overeat so that is solved through satiation whereas over desire is solved through satisfaction two very different things and the problem with um, many protocols 
is that they focus on satiation. So a really good example of this is the keto diet. It focuses on satiation. It is a very satiating protocol. I mean, it just is. You're not, you're rarely hungry on it. You don't have over hunger. Um, it actually helps a lot with over desire. I mean, I don't like this keto diet myself. I don't like it because I don't like a lot of the foods in it and it's hard to stay on, but I do what I call my keto reset where I just go on it for three or four days and just really get myself back in gear. Like after a weekend away or after a lot of birthdays or something like that, it just really just takes me right back. And it is because it helps with both of these things. It helps with satiation and it helps with satisfaction. So many protocols, you know, are solving the one problem or the other. So they're solving a problem. They're saying you won't even be hungry on our plan. You won't even be hungry on our plan. You get to eat so much food. You won't even be hungry on our plan. And then you get the plan and you realize the reason that you don't get hungry is because, hi, Lene. The reason you don't get hungry is because you're constantly filling yourself up with fibrous foods, which is great because fibrous foods are real food. So that's really good. But then all of a sudden you have another problem. So you have all this satiation, all this satiety. Your stomach is never empty. You never, you know, you never feel over hungry, but you are not satisfied. So you're satiated, but not satisfied. And that's where really the perfect storm and bringing together this week's teaching and next week's teaching on over hunger and over desire is going to make a big difference. So over hunger, we have to understand two hormones in order to understand over hunger. Right, and the first one is ghrelin, okay? And I like to call it the growling ghrelin gremlins because they're in there in your stomach and they're growling and we just think we can't go on, right? <laughs> um, but ghrelin is a hormone produced in or released from the gut. So it also has smaller amounts that are released from the pancreas and the brain, but the majority of it is released from the gut and it controls your appetite. That is, it is what is causing you to say, I'm hungry. It is what is causing you to feel hunger. So when the stomach is empty, ghrelin is released to tell you that you are hungry. Stomach growling is associated with ghrelin, right? That's why I call them the growling ghrelin gremlins. Also because that is alliteration and I am language arts lady. All right, so ghrelin also has roles in growth hormones, insulin secretion, GI motility, blood pressure, and more. And that all, the, the hormone has to do with that, but so does what you eat, right? What you eat all has an effect on that. Like how your GI tract works, completely affected by what you, are very often affected by what you eat. Your blood pressure can be very affected by what you eat. Um, insulin, very affected by what you eat, right? So that is what ghrelin is. It's produced at the top of the stomach, it's released, and basically it's just, it's just noticing that your stomach is low on food, and then it just starts growling. So when it is released, it is released, um, just generally speaking, during low blood sugar times. So a lot of times you're just like, I need to eat or I'm gonna faint, right? That's ghrelin telling you that. Low weight, like if somebody needs to lose weight, needs to gain weight, they will have ghrelin released a lot. And fasting, or a long time since your last meal, okay? So basically an emptying of the stomach is what we're looking at for us here. That is one of the things that causes ghrelin to be released. Um, stomach distension. So, you know, a lot of food in the stomach uh, can cause uh, ghrelin to not be released, right? 
And that is where some of the tricks that um, long time weight maintenance people use come into play. Um, my husband, whom I affectionately call Ray Baby, eats two to four pounds of vegetables every evening. I know, it is unbelievable. He has this like eight cup glass measure. I think it's 12, it's really, really, really big. Hi, Trevor. It's really big, fills it full of vegetables. He has a pie plate, two pounds bags of frozen vegetables in the microwave, and then his seasonings on it and a little Parmesan cheese. So many vegetables. I don't know how the man does it. I'm telling you, I do not know how, but he's always liked large quantities of food. And he discovered that if he wants to eat large quantities, it has to be really low cow, right? I mean, you cannot eat eight cups of, you know, beef stew. <laughs> you cannot eat eight cups of spaghetti and meatballs, right? You have to eat um, low caloric foods if you want to eat that large quantity. Whereas I don't really need large quantities. I would rather, I'm more on this, the satisfaction. How do I, how satisfied am I by a food? Um, and he's more on the satiation. So if you're, if you have food in your stomach, ghrelin is not usually released. So again, if ghrelin is not being released, but you want to eat, it's over desire, not over hunger. Um, sometimes though, ghrelin overrides stomach distension. So, um, you know, it is, it's a combination of, you know, ghrelin and your brain chemicals, you know, just desiring a dopamine hit, right? Which is that hit that we get when we are accustomed to doing something that brings us a lot of pleasure. And so it's, it's really a, sometimes people call it a motivational um, chemical and sometimes people call it a um, habit chemical because it's like, oh, this was good last time. I think we'll do it again. Oh, this, I really like this. I think we'll do it again, right? So it's kind of a, like a habitual type of hormone. All right, ghrelin rises before a meal and then falls after, okay? It's very sensitive to food intake. So, um, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, I was on that strict diet, but I just couldn't take it because I was so hungry. I mean, ghrelin goes into overtime if you keep your stomach too empty, okay? Um, unless you are intermittent fasting, which is one of the most amazing things about intermittent fasting is overcoming hunger. Just give me a few minutes. All right. Um, it's also released in response to stress, okay? And so is over desire. So we're gonna talk next week about some of the things that are causing both. Stress causes both of them and um, lack of sleep causes both of them. So we can see some things that are that over hunger and over desire are both affected by. So let's solve those because when we do, guess what? Um, how did somebody say you should say that? Don't say it kills two birds with one stone. They said, ah, I can't remember, it was so sweet. It wasn't kill two birds with one stone, it was like, um, feed two birds with one cone or something like that. I don't know what it was, but it was really, really, it was, it was a way milder. It was a milder way of saying that, but you're going to get two for one, right? Who doesn't like two for one? Who doesn't like a bonus, right? So when we solve some of these things that we're going to talk about next week with the stress, the sleep, um, the, the um, planning ahead has an effect on hunger and over desire. So many things. So every time we solve one of these things that affects both of them, we get a twofer. All right. So we're going to learn that next week. Okay. It's released at typical meal times. This is why intermittent fasting 
can have so much help you have so much control over hunger because you can train your body you can just say you know this is when I'm going to eat body cooperate <laughs> and your body doesn't cooperate at first but it does after a while right after a couple of weeks your body's like you've just you have just tamed the ghrelin gremlins isn't that so cool you've just tamed the ghrelin gremlins and you are just controlling them instead of them controlling you I think that's been one of my favorite things about intermittent fasting is controlling things that I, I had no control over before and that's definitely was hunger was one of them I'm not most of us gain from over desire more than we gain from over hunger but to be able to control something that was out of your control for you know 57 years is pretty cool all right so the clock hunger ghrelin will be released at typical meal time so ghrelin can be trained not to not to go off so to speak not to start growling at 8 in the morning 9 in the morning 10 in the morning 11 in the morning it can you can just keep pushing that out as you intermittent fast so um, you know, I will basically not have to um, do any, not feel any hunger until noon for sure, right? I usually stop eating at eight or so the night before, sometimes nine. The next day, noon could come and go. One, I might be getting a little hungry. Two, I think I'll eat if I get a chance. Right? It just depends, right? Now I'm teaching so much. So, um, and you know, sometimes I just don't have a chance and then I eat it when I'm done with my last classes at four. Um, so it is released at typical meal. That's, that's where the training comes into play. Um, it can also just kind of be set on autopilot to release after three hours from the last meal. And that is when we are intermittent fasting and we're done and we're closing our window until the, you know, 18 hours later or 16 hours later or 17 hours later, whatever that is, that is when we have to really understand how hunger comes in waves and how we can just sit with it and it'll be okay right and at first it takes a while to do that I remember getting up a, a lot at night and getting food when I was the first several months I was intermittent fasting like um, you know I wasn't I didn't really know that six o'clock was too early for me and so when I was trying to go to sleep at 10 I couldn't at 11 jump up and get food because I um, had not trained ghrelin yet and I also had not found my sweet spot of fasting. When you find your sweet spot of fasting, you can go right to sleep. At first, um, it'll be difficult to go to sleep because you might feel some hunger, and then just keep moving that window out. You'd be better off ending your window an hour later and fasting from then until 12 or one or whatever the next day too, than you would getting up like at midnight and getting something to eat, right? Because you just had all those three hours or four hours of fasting and you just, ruined them by eating something you'd be a lot better off just waiting another hour before you end and get it and get your get your end of your fast to be a little bit later closer to sleep time if that's what you need that's what I needed all right um, it is interesting because most people think that when they are hungry you know it just kept getting worse and worse and I just couldn't take it anymore all right and that's not really how it happens what what happens if you know when you were young and your mom said you're not hungry you're just thirsty go drink something we kind of did forget about it right it's probably the distraction more than anything from drinking something um when we are prior to intermittent fasting we're having blood draws we had to wait till till noon um has this ever happened where you were waiting until noon you were having your blood drawn 
and they were running so far behind that you had to wait a little longer. And then the next thing you know, your hunger was gone. They were like, uh, that's weird. It's because um, it doesn't just get worse and worse and worse and worse until it's unbearable, right? You have a wave of it, wait it out 10 minutes, you'll be fine, then uh, wait again, right? Um, ghrelin is low in the mornings. And this is why a lot of people say, I'm not even hungry in the mornings at all. I have no hunger in the morning. Um, I personally never have hunger in the morning. I cannot remember ever a time. I suppose if I ever ended up ending my fast at five in the evening, if I was doing like a brunch or something like that the next day and I wanted to end it at five or six, um, I suppose I could be hungry at 10. I just don't remember being hungry before 11 or 12 or one anymore. It's just, I don't, I would have to eat in my fast really, really, really early. Um, so it's naturally low in the morning. So that's why for a lot of, for most people, and that's why most people choose to have their two meals, like be, you know, two and seven or something like that, or two and six, um, or maybe, you know, two, a snack at four and dinner at eight or something like that, uh, depending on how long your eating window is. So that's why a lot of times it feels easier in the mornings. All right, so let's talk about ways that we can control hunger, all right? And a lot of these you've heard me talk about before. Um, and uh, so here we go. Water, right? Water, mama knows best, right? Just get a drink and you won't be so hungry, right? Um, and water does help to fill the stomach up. There's, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I found out from my um, from my uh, gyno I don't want you to call them um, gyno bladder person <laughs> that I was actually drinking too much water and that's why I was having an overactive bladder um, so anyway you can drink too much but um, I just drink all the time I always carry my um, 22 ounce bottle with me and I usually fill it up five or six times maybe once or twice with my um, supplement and then you know three or four more times and I was drinking too much but you can fill the stomach up now a lot of people find help with hunger with sparkling water or carbonated water okay or like ginger ale like no calorie ginger ale something like that um, usually it's recommended that you not have flavors although that's really needs to be something that you try out and see um, because I have uh, two 10 calorie supplements that I can have during my fast without causing me to crave or want to eat. So that is last week's episode 27 called Eight Fasting Experts on What Breaks a Fast. You can check that out, thankfully 27. Um, but it's usually recommended that you have uh, water to fill up your stomach. A lot of people drink a lot of coffee to fill up your stomach, but you've got to remember you're having a few calories usually when you have coffee, three or four or five calories per cup. So these people are drinking 10 10 cups, they're actually having, you know, potentially 30 or 50 or 70 calories, um, depending on the coffee brand they're using and everything. Um, which sometimes a few calories do, doesn't really, a few calories do not really have a big effect on people. There are other, there are some protocols that teach you can have 50 calories without any effect on your fast. So again, watch that episode 27. All right, the sparkling water, um, is known you know because of the bubbles to trick ghrelin into thinking that we're putting food in and but then there are also people who say the bubbling water actually has the opposite effect it's like stirring things up for them so you have to try that out 
Okay, stomach distensibility. Um, that is that when we are first very overweight, we have a pretty, we have our stomach pretty stretched out, right? Because we're eating so, you know, like in my case, at one time I weighed 265, my husband weighed 335, and, um, you know, we ate a lot, right? We, 200, I, I, sometimes I'll tell my husband, you know that between the two of us, having lost 220 pounds, if you just think about the fact that a lot of experts believe that it takes 10 calories per pound to maintain your weight, 220 pounds times 10 is 2,200 calories. We are eating over 2,000 calories less than we used to eat at our highest weights. Isn't that something? Think about all the money we're saving. We're not really saving that much money because we buy shrimp a lot. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we do like certain foods now that we're empty nesters that we didn't used to buy when we had kids at home and when we ate so much. But this, this sensibility at, at, at those big weights, we eat a lot of food, right? So instead of 1,500 calories that I eat now, I used to eat 2,500 calories. And so my stomach was stretched out, right? But as we shrink our stomach, it will be smaller and less ghrelin will be released. Isn't that cool? And also your body needs a lot less at a smaller weight. All right, uh, fill your stomach with the recommended six cups of veggies or three to four pounds if you're my husband. <laughs> at or near the beginning of your eating window. I call this the three F's, eating in the three F's. And that is fluidy, fluffy, and fibrous. So fluidy vegetables and fruits, very watery foods, right? Think about watermelon, you know, fruits and vegetables are so much water. Um, fluffy, they're bigger, they take up more space. You know, I got a big, a big apple like this size versus this little teeny handful of eight peanut M&Ms, right? Fluffy, all right? And then fibrous. The fiber is another thing that helps fill us up. Um, don't overly restrict calories. Right, and this is where a lot of people are so hungry, in part because they're like if they need 1,500 calories and they're eating, you know, a thousand, then they're eating 500 less than their bodies need at their current weight, and that's a big deficit. And so if their their body's like, re, you know, rebelling against that, and then it slows down. You don't move as much. You don't get as much uh, non-exercise um, activity thermogenesis. You don't have, you don't do as many activities and things like that. So it's kind of counteractive, counterintuitive there to do that. Um, so definitely, if we want to lose weight, we have to eat less than what our body needs to maintain it. But if we go too low, ghrelin is going to really increase. Okay, that fiber again, filling up the stomach. Protein, 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 protein. Recently gotten on to the macro bandwagon. So great because we fill our stomachs up with protein. It is the most satiating macro. Uh, it uh, takes a long time to empty from the stomach, so we don't get hungry as quickly, and it gives you a prolonged feeling of fullness. All right, hit exercises. This also helps to manage your hunger. We can sometimes over-cardio-ing over uh, actually has the opposite effect. It causes a great deal of hunger. But research is showing that hit small little burst of activity 
at very high intensities does not cause hunger as much. So that's interesting too. Okay, exercising fasted. Oh, I love to exercise fasted. I always exercise fasted on um, Wednesday mornings with my daughter and Sunday after church with my daughter. The other time we have to do it because of both of our schedules is Fridays at four, five, whenever I'm done teaching. Ooh, I already ate one meal. I'm tired by that time, right? I don't do as well. So exercising fasted is shown to regulate appetite more than later in the day. So if you can exercise in the mornings, then you will um, have a better chance of decreasing your appetite uh, than later on in the day. Um, sleep, I'm gonna talk about that in great detail when I talk about the over-desire because it helps all hormones level out. The research on sleep is just so provocative to me. I just think, wow, what a beautiful thing. <laughs> I do love sleep. I sleep seven to seven and a half hours every single night, seven nights a week. It is glorious. This feels so good. I never have to take a nap, never. As a matter of fact, I don't take a nap because if I did, then that would mess up my glorious seven and a half hours at night. Never sleepy during the day, never need to nap. Um, it's just wonderful. And it helps so much with over hunger and over desire. So we're gonna talk more about that next week. Okay, reducing stress. I talked about this in a previous episode recently, how the effects of cortisol, your cortisol goes up when you're stressed and so does overeating. Over hunger and over desire. Super, super interesting how it affects both. All right. Um, since it comes in waves, you can time it and watch them disappear with time. And um, again, the overhunger macronutrients, protein is most satiating, fat is next to the most, and carbs are the least. Um, but they're also quick energy. There's nothing wrong with carbs. Carbs are amazing. Um, all, uh, you know, like, I don't know, 75 or 80% of plants are carbs. Okay, what's not to love about eating carbs, right? They're real foods. Um, unless you're on a keto diet, then you know you absolutely can't have uh, many plants at all. So don't do that because then you're just having high fat and high carbs. <laughs> um, but fasting, fasting is the amazing thing that happens to us with um, for hunger. It is just it's so cool because it is a automatic regulator of hunger. Talk about this in Weight Loss Lifestyle numbers 60 and 61. Two big long episodes on willpower and how fasting just reduces the need for willpower by, I don't even know, by, it reduces the need for willpower by hours, hours upon hours. Think back, if you're an intermittent faster, to when you were not fasting and you went through the drive-thru on your way to work and got two <laughs> bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits and a large Diet Coke or through Dunkin' Donuts and got two donuts and two chocolate milks. Okay. When you didn't stop to get that or when you didn't get something in the break room for breakfast or for brunch or something that somebody brought in, you had, if you didn't do it, you were only not doing it through sheer willpower. Right? That's the only thing 
That's the only thing that could cause you to be able to overcome it. White knuckling, just, oh, just making it through, right? But when you intermittent fast and you become, um, you develop appetite correction, which means you're correcting your appetite. I just call it taming your ghrelin, right, gremlin. And you're taming your ghrelin and you're controlling your appetite, you're correcting it, like appetite correction says, then you are solving your hunger problem 15, 18 hours a day, right? Literally, I do not have to worry about hunger from 9 p.m. until at least noon. So 10, 11, 12, at least 15 hours. Don't even have to think about it. Don't have to worry about it, right? It is completely solved for during those hours. And that's another thing about intermittent fasting with willpower is I don't have to use willpower during all that time so I can save it up for my eating window because willpower doesn't last the whole day. If we eat 12 hours a day, we don't have enough willpower for the whole 12 hours. Watch those episodes. 1661, weight loss, lifestyle. So we don't have to use willpower for hunger once we have been fasting over a period of time. It solves the hunger problem, right? And people often say, I just don't know how you can do that. I'm just so hungry at 9. I'm so hungry at 10. Well, it's because they haven't they haven't tamed their ghrelin, right? Everybody's hungry when they haven't tamed their ghrelin. And the other question I always ask people who, who say that to me is, do you really think that I would do this if I felt that miserable all morning long? I mean, how could somebody do that if they felt that bad all day, right? Until one or two or whatever. We're not feeling that badly, right? Otherwise we couldn't do it. We are controlling ghrelin. So fasting is one of the biggest things that we can do for, um, hunger. All right. So that's over hunger. Okay. We can control over hunger by losing weight and shrinking our stomachs. So ghrelin doesn't, uh, isn't needed to be released so much because our stomachs are not so stretched out. We can drink water. We can eat macronutrients, protein, and fat. Don't like skimp on like you're like, it's better off for hunger unless you're completely trained through keto to not be hungry and not crave. Um, if you can live that lifestyle and you're trained through that and you think it's healthy, then that's going to solve a lot of problems for that. But if not, your macronutrient combination, having quite a bit of protein and then, um, and then some fat and then a lot of carbs that are fluffy and fibrous and all those things is going to help, right? Sleep is going to help. Keeping stress down is going to help. Um, eating the three F's is going to help. Fasting is going to help. All of those things will make a huge difference in overhunger. And then you have part of the equation solved, right? You've used all these tools. You've got your sweet spot of fasting. You've, you've figured out whether you need two small meals of like, for me, it'd be like two small meals of 700, or do I want two small meals of, you know, 600 and then a small snack between? What do I do that, that tames my hunger the most? And you figured that out. And then the next thing you know, overhunger is almost solved. And it is not going to be one of the reasons you overeat. And then we go on to overdesire. And we use all the tools I'm going to teach you next week, all the tools that I've been teaching in Perfect Storm, all of the um, think, feel, eat cycle, um, you know, controlling our thoughts and our feelings. And then our actions will follow, our food will follow. All of those tools are going to be the, the things that help us with over desire. Thank you so much for joining me. It has been a pleasure.
to speak to you. Um, I'm sorry that I was so late, but I hope that we will be able to solve this problem with Facebook not going through Zoom. In the meantime, I just want to remind you before I get off that it is something like September 3rd. It is September 3rd, and on Monday, um, which is going to be the 7th, that is the first day of our September class session. So if you have not taken the intermittent fasting course, it is a great way to incrementally get your fasting on. Get rid of overhunger, and then you can work on overdesire and all of these other things that I've been teaching you here. So uh, you can sign up at intermittentfastingcourse.com. Use the coupon code SAVE20 for 20% off intermittentfastingcourse.com. Hopefully, I'll see you in your classroom on Monday. Hmm.